if you are sitting at the top of the organization, who are all the people in the different functional areas that you should be reaching out really quickly, not just for the communication, but from a practical standpoint? I have PR ready, HR legal. Who are the people and what are the conversations that you should be having them? What are the questions that you should be asking them to get ready? Welcome. I am your host, Dino Cattaneo, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership for Everyday People, the podcast where we investigate the connection between effective leadership and authenticity. If you're looking for inspiration and tips on how to become a better leader by being your true self, you're in the right place. This is a different and unscheduled episode. On Friday, June 24th, the Supreme Court of the United States reached a decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. It's a decision that not only affects society in a very real way, but that also has a lot of urgent and practical ramifications for corporate leaders. You may recall from the two episodes in which I interviewed Kurt Landon that I have a working relationship and a partnership with the firm he founded, Inspira. As a company that provides unique and innovative HR services, a few weeks ago, Inspira hosted a seminar for its clients and other partners. The webinar was designed to discuss how corporate leaders should prepare for the eventuality of this happening. What struck me from that conversation was that it balanced the discussion about values with a set of very practical implications that everyone will have to face. Implications that apply to any organization, no matter the stance and the specific values that the organization and its leader embrace. That's why I asked Kurt and his associate Jenna Cohen if they would be willing to partner and produce an episode about this specific topic. What should corporate leaders do to navigate the complexity brought on by this decision? This episode covers both the process to follow in deciding whether you want to take a stance and the practical steps to successfully communicate the stance to the organization and the world outside. You will hear me say this at the beginning of the discussion with Kurt and Jenna, but I want to be really clear. I do not agree with the decision that effectively strips the right to a safe and legal abortion from potentially a large number of my fellow citizens. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and the independence of all Americans, and I support all efforts and initiatives aimed at reducing the impact of the current decision and restoring this fundamental right for everyone. One final thing before we get into the actual conversation. You will find a lot of very helpful and practical advice in here, so Aspira has very kindly put together a document with the key points that you can download at inspirahr.com backslash downloads. Once again, that's inspirahr, spelled E-N-S-P-I-R-A-H-R.com backslash downloads. And now enjoy the episode. Kurt and Jenna, thank you very much for agreeing to do this on such a short notice. We're going to have a conversation today on how the overturning of Roe versus Wade impacts corporate leaders. And we're going to do it in a way that applies to both people who support the decision and people who don't. I want to be really clear that I personally do not support the decision. And I hope that if you're decided to take a stand, it is against the decision. But as I said, the intent here is really to equip people and leaders with the instruments and some thinking on how to tackle this question as it affects the organization in the next few weeks. So let's start from the beginning. We have seen over the weekend, many companies take public stands about the, the decision and its implications, but not every leader has yet 
taken a position or made a decision on whether they will take a public or private stance with their employees. So if you're a leader who right now is thinking about whether or not to take a stand on the issue and how to proceed, what are some of the steps that you should be taking as you start tackling the issue? Kurt, why don't you get us started? Thanks, Dino. Let's get started maybe with five key steps that we recommend will be helpful as you navigate this topic. And the first is really about reflection. And that's both reflection on who you are as an organization, your values, and what the organization really believes in, so to speak. And similarly, also reflection for the CEO or the leader of the organization in terms of what that individual really stands for and and what's authentic, because we would never recommend that you speak out in a way that is inauthentic for you as a leader for the organization. So that I think is really step one. Similar to your firm, Dino, we uh, are very much against this decision. It's in conflict with our values as an organization. Quite frankly, it's in conflict with and offensive to my values as a leader and a human being. So as I went through step one and reflected on that, I knew that it would be important for me and for we as a firm to speak out on this topic in a bold and clear way. Um, I think the second step is really about uh, reflecting on what resources are needed in order to show up and act and behave as an organization in a way that is congruent with however you're going to speak out on it. So sometimes it can be tempting to speak quickly and rather emotionally, but uh, as you're speaking on behalf of your organization, it's important to think ahead about what are the resources, time, infrastructure that may be needed to support this. A really good example of that is many organizations are offering to provide some kind of time-based or financial support for employees who may need to travel from state to state in order to seek safe and effective care. So thinking through and aligning with senior leadership in your organization to determine how you want to handle, if at all, situations like that is important. Depending on what kind of industry sector or subsector you're in, there could be additional factors to consider, um, whether it be from a compliance standpoint or really understanding the landscape in which you play in terms of are there other organizations that maybe you need to speak with first based on how your business really operates. The third is is a really important one, which is, I think, to ensure that you, as you speak out on this topic, if that's something you choose to do, you don't unintentionally give the impression that your view as a leader or the company's viewpoint, if that's in conflict with an individual employee's perspective, you don't want to give the impression that that employee's perspective is unwelcome or unwanted. Unintentionally, then you could really hamper inclusion and send an unintentional message that unless you agree with our viewpoint, then your viewpoint isn't wanted here, which is absolutely not what we would recommend. So really making sure that you clarify that. And the next one, I think, is really to play your part in ensuring that misinformation is not sort of reinforced and that accurate information, if you are going to share any, is sort of double, triple checked and confirmed There's a lot of misinformation, unfortunately, flying around on this topic, and you want to make sure that you're not unintentionally contributing to that. And then the last is is really making sure that you operate, behave, and show up in a way that's respectful from a dialogue perspective. Um, This gets to the earlier point that I mentioned in terms of being inclusive of all viewpoints, 
But the nuance here, I think, is a little bit different, which is really making sure that you carry an understanding tone and approach to these conversations. A lot of different people are coming to this topic from very different life experiences and different amounts of information on the topic. So as people, for example, ask questions to understand and learn, be patient and be kind, um, create brave spaces to be able to uh, allow people to use this as an educational opportunity for themselves. That's great. And we're going to talk about some of the really more practical and nitty gritty aspects. But if you've made a decision to speak in any either direction of the issue, and you've gone through the self-reflection and, you know, assuming that you have, that you have a good sense of what the practical steps included are, what are some of the communication steps, getting buy-in steps, making sure that everybody at different level is involved in the decision? Because as you very rightly pointed out, this is a very divisive topic and the people who whatever position people have on this topic, it's very often rooted in a genuine belief and in a very passionate belief. And I'm pretty sure there are very few organizations that fall 100% on one side of the issue. So what are some of the steps that you can take before you actually roll out the communication to ensure that it's a successful communication? So I think the first thing is, you know, as you do that reflection personally as a leader, you know, bringing in your immediate leadership team, um, as well as consultation with legal counselor, HR, your communications professionals, so that you're all aligned, right? And going through those implications, because the questions will arise as soon as you roll it out into the organization and into the world, whatever that looks like. So you want to make sure that there's alignment and understanding of those implications and trickle-down decisions, if you will, of declaring a position and actions you plan to take as a leader and as an organization. From there, really critical to ensure that your frontline managers, those who are in direct communication on a regular basis, have the talking points and guidance that they need to create opportunity for support. And as Kurt mentioned earlier, those brave spaces to take place, whether that's in a one-on-one conversation or a team conversation. That can be modeled through convening, creating space to convene the company or small groups in the organization outside of your teams, right, or direct report relationships, but ensuring that those individuals who may be reached out to because of their position in the organization, the professional relationship that exists with questions have as much as they need. And that can include, you know, guidance to very much not make it personal, right? You need to be mindful of how much you share about your personal experience and how much you ask of or don't ask of a person, to share their experience or perspective with mind to HIPAA and those types of situations. You, you don't want to cross an uncomfortable line while you are doing a well-intended action. And then also making sure that managers know what resources are available to both them and their employees, whether that's through your benefits packages that you have available to employees and employee resource groups that might exist as far as other communities for employees to tap into 
etc. So it doesn't have to be extensive, but equipping those individuals who have those relationships with folks within the organization and and hold a position that might be looked to as a resource that they then feel resourced. Continuing on the on this theme of resources, if you are sitting at the top of the organization, who are all the people in the different functional areas that you should be reaching out really quickly, not just for the communication, but from a practical standpoint? Because for instance, you know, you need to have PR ready, HR legal. So who are the people and what are the conversations that you should be having them? What are the questions that you should be asking them to get ready? So with those individuals, I think first, Kurt alluded to, there might be implications in your network of doing business, right? That it will be important to be aware of, you know, how partners or partner organizations are reacting. Also having a firm grasp on where your people are located in this world post-pandemic or in, in pandemic, that might be more than you have fully wrapped your head around as an organization. And a decision like this has implications for that. And the decisions that you make then as a company are going to have implications. So as you might jump to a decision, for example, that you want to make sure that anyone who works for you has access, period. There are things to look into as it relates to the legality of that, all of which is not clear yet. So one thing that's really critical is understanding with your legal partner um, and legal counsel, as well as your communications and benefits team members to do a full audit of where your people are, declaring what you want to do and what the ripple effect of those actions might be and staying very close to um, ahead of might be a stretch, but staying very close to the evolution of information that's coming out as far as local law, federal law, and employer policy. Those three things need to coexist and the ability for them to do so in the short term might be difficult. So it's going to be a process. To that end, you can therefore declare an intention but acknowledging that it's going to take some time to your employees for it to really be in effect might be the right thing to do so that you give yourselves that little bit of time to iron things out. So your benefits team within HR, whether that's internal or external, your legal counsel, again, internal or external, combined with your leadership team alignment on the actions you're desiring to take as it relates to the resources and benefits you want to offer to your employees. I'll just add a, a couple of things to, to the good points that, that Jenna mentioned. Just broadening this out a little bit from the topic at hand, one of the things that we advise our clients to do um, sort of in steady state times is to really determine the mechanism by which as a senior executive team or vis-a-vis the board of directors, how will leadership of the company align on topics that are by nature of what they are complex and difficult to align on. And I think it's safe to say that 
This is one of many topics that is happening and, and coming up in the world that are requiring and testing the way in which organizations and leaders weigh in on these topics and assume in your organization there will be many more topics which you'll have to quickly align or purposefully misalign on and determine how you're going to move forward. And so figuring out how to do that and how to do that quickly, effectively, inclusively is really important. We have mechanisms that we use with our clients to help them align on controversial topics in the people space. And then once that mechanism is sort of institutionalized and becomes a way of life in your organization, it doesn't matter what the topic is. You can quickly spring into action, call a senior executive team meeting or a meeting with your board, use a mechanism like that. And within a number of minutes or, or a short number of hours, align and determine on your path forward. So uh, as a side note, I think that's something that you know we can be helpful with, but it requires a little bit of structure for how to navigate that. I also think that I see sometimes CEOs and other senior leaders of organizations struggle with, do I move forward independently and take bold action and sort of ask for forgiveness later? Or do I spend a lot of those precious hours when something like this comes out to align, discuss, debate? And I think the answer is yes, a little bit of both. The rule of thumb that I recommend is uh, this will require that senior leaders put themselves out there a little bit make a bold decision, decide to move forward, because trying to get 100% alignment with all stakeholders and do so quickly is not a realistic goal. With that said, a very important boundary is don't be reckless. When you're running a company or an organization, you can't just operate as a sole practitioner, put yourself out there, make a decision, and tell your board, tell your investors, tell your workforce, I just decided to do this. It's more complicated than that. These issues are much more complicated than a lot of the issues that leaders have had to navigate in the past. So I recommend the steps that I mentioned, but also an attempt to really try and be as inclusive as possible to create some of that space to begin to align, assume there will be some areas where there will have to be purposeful misalignment, and then state your intended actions and behavior. So go to your board, go to your investors, go to your workforce and say, I know that we're not going to all agree and align on this topic 100%. After listening to everyone's perspective, I've made the decision to do X, Y, and Z. This is how we will be speaking out on this. This is how we plan to deal with any of the stated risks, as well as some of the risks that maybe play out that we had not forecasted because it will be impossible to forecast every possible risk. That feels a bit more measured a bit more balanced, uh, a bit more responsible and guards against uh, being too reckless. Obviously, as I hear you describe this process, a lot of companies must have gone through this thinking because the response was pretty swift from some very visible brands, both internally and externally. And I don't know if you had a chance to look at some of the responses. Was there any that sort of you looked at and thought, oh, this is really well thought out. This is really well executed from what we've seen from the outside. I actually saw more as each of these types of, I would say, complex issues comes up um, for organizations and leaders to speak out on. And again, I I would say for many, this is one of the 
most difficult topics that have come up so far, but it's certainly not the first. If you think back over the course of the past couple of years, we've been tested quite a bit during these times. And I think some of the red threads I saw really informed those five steps that I shared a few moments ago. And, and I think you usually, for example, see some evidence in the language of these statements that shows and speaks to how that leader and or organization has reflected on where they stand and the values of their leadership or the organization. There's an invitation for all viewpoints to be valued and welcomed. And then there's clarity about what the organization plans to do, if anything, to support members of that workforce or organization. So I think uh, that has seemed to be fairly consistent in most of these that I've seen. Um, One thing that I see being done that there's some benefit to, but is there's an important watch out is broadening of the topic. If you go back in time and you look at the senseless uh, abuse and killings of Black people in the world and in this country at the hands of police brutality and the Black Lives Matter movement. When organizations and leaders were tested on that topic, one of the pitfalls that we saw people engage in, and there was a learning there, was broadening and saying it's not just that Black Lives Matter, but all lives matter. That was actually, in in my opinion, our opinion as a firm, an overstepping because what we learned as people showed up and communicated in that way on that topic is that it devalued or diluted the focus on unintentionally or intentionally on Black lives. And so it was really important in that moment to sort of just make the assumption that, yes, we get it, all, all lives matter, but we're not going to take away the focus in this moment on Black lives because that's already being done. It's already being distracted and diluted. So let's stay on hand. I think there's a risk with this topic, with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, that there could be an intentional or unintentional broadening and saying, we care about reproductive rights, but we also care about all human rights. That's a really careful, sensitive balance. I think we should make the assumption that if you're speaking out on this topic, then people will know that you care about human rights. Saying that could, again, once uh, once again, really dilute that focus and distract from, from a woman's bodily rights and reproductive rights, which is really the most germane topic at hand. So I think it's important to, to stay focused and not distract from that. Um, Jenna, just curious if you wanted to build on anything I just shared. It's, it's a bit tangential, but I think, and you know, you might be getting to this, but employees more so than ever are looking to companies and their employers to take stands, right? And that's not about getting the stand that you're taking right or wrong, per se, in in the eyes of an individual employee, but really about you as a company demonstrating your values through stances that you take and actions that you might take as a result, right? So it's how it's defining employers in a way as a social relationship, if you will, to their employee. And, you know, to Kurt's point, through that lens, it can be very easy to make this bigger. The way in which you create the spaces for people to come together and have conversation to ensure that the language that you choose to use is inclusive while also demonstrating that that point of view and that stand is really critical 
we often talk about as a team and as a firm with our clients and with ourselves, how much language matters. And the choices of language here matter. And broadening it too quickly, right, which I know I'm personally somewhat inclined to do, it's too soon. The time will come for it to be broadened. But by declaring your point of view and the actions that you take associated with that will speak for themselves in the way that they build out, right? This needs to be about this issue at hand right now. And there's a lot to figure out with just access to reproductive health in our country. I was sort of going in that direction, but from a slightly different angle, which is this. I think we've seen in the case of Disney and the DeSantis legislation that the fact that at the beginning of when the legislation was first passed and Disney chose to just stay silent on it, it ended up backfiring on both sides. You know, we're in an era where we are really trying to define our participation to work, to be driven by more than just, you know, a contract or relationship, but our purpose, our values. And and that's a double-edged sword, because as you just pointed out, we have raised our expectations of what we expect out of our employers, out of our vendors, et cetera. So what are the risks of taking the neutral position? Say, you know, as a company, we're not going to take a stand, either against or in favor the overturning. Because obviously, if you're a you know very religious organization and you have been actively donating money to these causes, Friday was a day of celebration. And, and there is definitely a portion of the country that, rightly or wrongly, have very genuine beliefs on the topic. So again, what's the risk of trying to stay neutral? I think the time has come and gone where organizations, quite frankly, really can stay silent on these topics. And part of that, I believe, is informed by the values held by younger, more contemporary generations than, than certainly the one that I'm a part of. And, you know, when I was coming up in the working world, it was absolutely not something that leaders and organizations would do, which would be to speak out on controversial topics and the sort of cliches of don't talk about uh, religion and politics and topics like that in the workplace. That's really all changed. And I think some of the values that we all know that are ascribed by the Generation Z as an example around authenticity and the most essential human rights not ever being called into question. Those are things that these younger generations, I think, are teaching established organizations. That train has absolutely already left the station, and I think there's really no going back. So my response to your question may be a bit of an, a, a controversial one in itself, which is I think the same guidance that Jenna and I shared applies even if the values and philosophies of the organization are in conflict with my own. If it's a, let's say, organization that believes that this was the right decision, I think they absolutely have the same right and responsibility to speak out and share their thoughts on the topic. And I think in doing so, we get all the different viewpoints out there. And maybe I'm a bit naive, but I think there's space and opportunity for us to learn from each other. Um, and it makes things more authentic. I'm not interested in the world navigating complex topics, um, but only hearing the voices that 
are convenient or aligned with how I feel or we at Inspire feel about this. So my advice to those organizations is, again, reflect, be authentic, speak out, not in a reckless way, but in a way that's congruent with what you stand for as a leader in an organization. I would also add, do you know that silence is a message? Neutrality is a message and one that you have much less control over. You leave it into the, in the hands of you know whoever your stakeholders are, including your employees, to then make assumptions where and we know where that leads, right? So keeping that in mind, I think is is important. You know, you can declare a point of view and your actions, there's a range of actions that you can take, right? You don't have to go all the way to the extreme of all of the the potential possibilities that are in your toolkit, if you will. But silence I would say is, or neutrality will likely come back at you and you'll, you'll be forced to land somewhere based on the pushback that you'd likely receive or the interpretation of that silence that might be in conflict with what you actually believe. I have one last question, which I'll keep to the end, but I want to make sure because you guys are the experts on the topic on how to help organizations deal with their people. Is there anything that we haven't discussed that people should really know or think about? One thing I, I do want to make sure to add in here around the the benefits topic and as as companies are exploring and then deciding and communicating on benefits, for example, for financial assistance to access reproductive health care that you also reinforce your parental leave policies alongside that, right? It's not an either or. If you don't do that, there's it doesn't mean that they're not there per se, but it could be a question mark. So this is where proactively reinforcing your comprehensive benefits as it relates to reproductive health care access, parental leave of all kinds, right, for adoption, for the the childbearing individual, as well as the partner, etc, other caregiver leave that you might have that is, you know, not just for children, but for parents and for family and others, pets, for example. So it's an opportunity to reinforce what you have and not lose sight that it's comprehensive for your employees. That's a great point. And then I am assuming that whatever you decide to do as a company, if you have above a certain level of visibility, your PR team should be brief because you should assume that nothing you say or do will stay within your walls. Is that a correct assumption? I think it is a, a great call out, Dino. And again, I think when you're working on how to navigate this topic, Instead of thinking about it as, you know, who are the very few people, the most, only the most essential people I need to bring into this conversation, I would actually flip that on its head and and cast the net a bit more widely. Is there anyone else in the organization or outside of the organization whose perspective would be accretive to what we're discussing and how we want to handle this topic? And I think that will bring up other functions like the ones that you mentioned. I did 
want to add one more other potential complexity into this, which is sometimes when I've seen organizations to date try and navigate on this topic or some of the other topics that we discussed earlier, people will say, well, if we weigh in on this topic publicly, then is it going to sort of open Pandora's box and then every topic we're going to have to weigh in on? And I think the answer is maybe. Um, (laughs) That's not a reason to be silent. And I think the risks of not weighing in, Jenna did a great job of articulating. And I think it also does not mean that you as an organization are going to be backed into a corner and will have to handle it in the same way on any other topic that comes up, perhaps as a reaction to this. So it's a it's a fairly typical flag or risk that I see people raise when trying to decide whether to speak out on a controversial topic. You know, are we going to then have 50 topics that we need to address? And again, the answer is maybe, and you'll evaluate those on a case-by-case basis. And let me be clear that even though we're speaking out on this topic does not mean that we will speak out on every topic, or it doesn't mean that we will handle every single one of those other issues in exactly the same way with the same support services that we are on this because each issue is different and how we feel as an organization or how I feel as the leader of this organization may be different on different topics because they won't all be of equal impact to our philosophies and values as leaders and as an organization. So we will see. And I think that's a very fair and real way to handle this. And the last thing that I wanted to just throw out there is create permission for yourself as a leader in an organization to not have all the answers on all top aspects of a topic as complex as this one. It's okay to say, I'm a bit of a sorter, by the way. So kind of three buckets. Here's what we know and what we believe in. Here's what we know and what we don't agree with or don't believe in. And here's what we don't know and that we're either still discussing, debating, aligning, deciding, educating ourselves more on this topic. Don't be afraid to say this third category. These are a few issues related to this topic that we we need to educate ourselves more on. We need to get more information and we will come back to you and follow up on this when we have more clarity on that. Don't feel that you have to have everything understood, decided on, clarified, and actioned all at the same time. That's not a realistic goal, in my opinion, when you're dealing with something as complex as this and where the complexities of the topic are still being realized and communicated to the world. So everyone, even those most involved in this topic in, you know, sort of government centers and things like that are still actively working on this, even though the news just came out. Thank you for all this great advice. This has actually been a pretty rich conversation and we've touched on quite a number of topics. So to close it out, what I would like to ask you is this, maybe we can summarize and answer this question. What is the minimum set of actions that a leader should be thinking about this week in order to navigate the aftermath of this decision and to prepare for the complexity that lies ahead on this specific topic and issue for their organization? So I would say first and foremost, start with that reflection and do that with your immediate leadership team, bringing into that conversation rather swiftly your legal partner, your communications and or PR partner, 
and your benefits partner from HR, potentially along with your HR leader, making sure that that conversation is comprehensive in one, having that gut check with your values and declare, you know, determining where do we stand right now as an organization and what are we at least looking into as far as the actions we want to take as an employer to our employees and an employer in the world publicly. I think once you do that, messaging that first and foremost internally to your organization and then providing those in manager roles with the talking points and resources so that they are directly equipped when conversations come up directly to them, right? So that they know what is available from existing resources like an employee assistance program, etc. And also what not to say. It's so emotionally charged that that guidance for individuals is really helpful and really important for them to feel well-equipped. I think then it's a matter of continuing, creating the mechanism to continue to educate yourself as a leader and the team around you that I just mentioned as things evolve and as you take decisions on actions you want to take, what the implications of those decisions are before you declare things too quickly. Just because so much is happening real time, on specifically on the legal front, right? And then I would say, lastly, but really importantly, is whatever is culturally appropriate for your organization, creating space within the workplace for people to connect, for people to converse, for ideas to be shared in a brave space, in a safe space. And modeling that as much as you can, um, that's something that will be able to pull through on, on different issues. But at this point in time, it needs to be on, on this issue at hand. And employees are, are looking for, for that space within the workplace, even virtual or in person to connect, to seek to understand, to feel included, even if viewpoints are different. I could not think of a better way to close this conversation. Thanks again to both of you for being so thoughtful and so insightful. Thank you for listening to this episode. It is a little different from a regular show. So if you find it helpful and this is your first time listening, try a few of the other episodes. And please tell a colleague or a friend who may find it helpful that they should listen to it. And if you really like it, tell all your friends and post about it on social media. Everything helps. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss any episode when I publish them. And if you listen on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, please leave us a rating or a review. Remember, I am giving a free copy of Bill Principale's book, Improvisational Leadership, to my favorite review that will be left on Apple Podcast Reviews in the months of June and July. So go ahead and give us five stars. To get a copy of the document that Inspire put together and that covers what we talked about in this episode, go to inspirehr.com backslash downloads. The website is spelled E-N-S-P-I-R-A-H-R.com backslash downloads. Obviously, inspirehr.com is their website. And there you will find the contact us section in case you want to contact Inspira and try working with them. You can find me online at al4ep.com with the number four, and you can email me at dino at al4ep.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is at al4edp with the letter D. You can find the show on Facebook at Authentic Leadership for Everyday People. 
This episode was co-produced by me, Dino Cattaneo, and Shelby Tompkins from Inspira. There was additional editing by Pro Podcast Solutions, and it was recorded remotely using Squadcast.fm. The music was produced, composed, arranged, and recorded by Nicolas Cattaneo, who also plays keyboards and drums, with guitar by Tony Savarino and bass by Jesse Williams. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.